All right. So, um, yeah. So I'm Dennis Kwan, um, a 22 year old something in Saigon, Vietnam, trying to figure out his life and also terrible at drawing. And uh, so, why wouldn't you introduce yourself, Christina? Hello, my name is Christina Perro. I'm an author from Chicago, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I recently released my debut novel, Lucky, which is inspired by Taylor Swift's folklore and the incredible true story of standard oil heiress Rebecca Harkness. Mm. Mm. Very good. Um, so, so how, what inspires you to write the book in the first place? Uh, if I don't mind asking you. Or... Yeah. So I was actually an essential healthcare worker working in a nursing home during the pandemic. And it was a traumatic time for me in many ways. Um, but I think that one of the hardest things for me to wrap my mind around during that time was this constant feeling that I was undervalued by my job and society. And I was really struggling with that notion. Oh my. And so I turned to writing as a way to help me kind of process some of these complex emotions and thoughts that were running through my head during the pandemic and during my journey as an essential worker. Yeah, so that's why we journal in the first place to figure things so out. And if yes. we journal long enough, we'll write books naturally. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But my book in particular was inspired by Taylor Swift's album Folklore, which came out in July last year. And mm. it came out when I was just in a dark place. Um, it was kind of the thick of the pandemic. Mm. And I can at feel that you. point, I was still working in the nursing home. And it just gave me a lot of hope in a time when I didn't feel much hope in other areas of my life. Mm. And I was just captivated by this story that kind of unfolded throughout the album. Um, mm. There's a lot of different themes in the album. So did you, did you, all right, all right. So did you really use up all Taylor Swift songs into your novel? um i do have a lot of taylor swift influences and a quote from her i do um i have two quotes from her in there mm -hmm. one is the line from the song about rebecca harkness that she sings which is called the last great american dynasty so the song starts describing rebecca so it's like rebecca came up on the afternoon train. It was sunny. Her salt box house on the coast took her mind off St. Louis. So that is a quote that I used. But the other Taylor Swift quote I used is, I want to always have a open heart, thin skin, and quick pen. Hmm. That's inspirational. Which I thought was beautiful because life can be really tragic and that's mm. part of the beauty of life. Yep. And so if you just embrace it and then find a way to story it, you mm -hmm. can really make a positive change in your life.
Mm, so like, if I don't mind asking, like what, what sort of positive, uh, what kind of positive things that uh, these protagonists do to, in order to turn their lives around? Uh, we're not gonna talk about Rebecca Hartman because uh, because uh, her story is tragic enough, and and it's and uh, story and Rebecca's story is really a precedent to the the musician story. So uh, I don't know, like uh, what kind what kind of positive things that uh, that that the musician learns from like uh, Rebecca's old mansion. Yes, because, yes. Uh, because you spoke Absolutely. to me before that the golden ratio uh, helped her to do something. Mm. Yes, so my novel uses a lot of philosophical themes to mm. help answer some existential questions that my main character, Rhea Harmonia, who is the pop star, is going through. Mm. And it starts with, um, it starts more simple than that. She starts by just looking at every story or every situation in the world around her as a story. Mm. And her mom helps her identify the three characters in each story, which mm. is, you know, the hero, the rescuer, the victim, and then the villain. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she starts to realize that stories change based on who's telling them. And so different people might have different roles in different stories, depending on who's telling the story. Mm -hmm. um, and so that helps her as a child, the pop star, get over being bullied by kids in her class. Um, gives her the motivation to really take control of her story and ultimately become this fabulously famous pop star who has a ton of money and has won a bunch of Grammys and mm. has reached kind of the pinnacle of fame and fortune. But when she's up on that hill, she realizes that it's not as pretty. It's not, yeah, it's not as, as glamorous, right? Mm -hmm. As she thought it might be. And so then she uses the golden ratio to help her make some ideas about what she wants her life to be about. And it helps her frame her story as a longer story. So, you know, our life and the story of our life doesn't just encompass the story of us being alive, but especially with someone like Rhea Harmonia, or Taylor Swift, your story is so much bigger because the legacy of your life will be so much bigger because of what you've created. Mm -hmm. And your creations will help your story live on. Mm -hmm. And so deciding mm -hmm. what the message you want your story to be about, I think that that's Rhea's um, final challenge in this book is she realizes that she's in a position where her story is going to live on and she wants her message to be as transcendentally truthful as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, I know it's going to be true. Like, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, so the musician got me thinking a lot about life in general. 
um, like how, like how, like how life is just an endless series of boom and bust, um, birth and death, all of these contrasts like that. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that that made me ponder a lot during the night, um, and questioning about my existence. Um, like, I just like, I just like, um, always uh, ask myself a question each night, like, will I be, will I be able to, to like move up in life, uh, despite all of the obstacles that uh, present before me. Um, in some ways, the golden ratio kind of like answers my questions right now. Yeah. Well, I think that the golden ratio is beautiful because you know you're talking about the ebbs and flows of life mm -hmm. and yeah everything is just a spiral right and the spiral yeah but a and great representation mm -hmm, the golden spiral yeah. a great representation of the ebbs and flows of life is yeah. the stock market and the golden ratio is a principle that many traders use to analyze the price movements mm -hmm. of the stock market throughout time. And yeah. the golden ratio just has a lot of applications to uh, natural and psychological phenomenons. And it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's more There's fascinating is that like I'm kind of fascinated about like how Bitcoin prices fluctuate so wide, so like so unpredictably. Like I wonder if one day Bitcoin will go back to zero dollars in value. Yeah, yeah I'm waiting well, for it. That I'm waiting for that time. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely not ebb and flow, really. Well, so I think that some people would argue that it is. Um, just on a, a more volatile scale, which yeah. might indicate that in the future, it would be higher than lower. Mm -hmm. But all of that depends on value and what you find value in. So if you find value in cryptocurrency and alternative mm -hmm. forms of currency, mm -hmm. then that's where you should start by making your financial mm -hmm. and investment decisions would be my non-financial financial advice. Mm, definitely. But it's, just, it's still good financial advice though. But I think we're going off a tangent. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, like, um, so, so can you tell me a bit about your job as a essential uh, nurse, uh, whatever, health worker, right? You gotta spell it mm -hmm. right. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I was a speech pathologist mm -hmm. and I still am a speech pathologist. So, <laughs> sorry, that's that's the dog. That's part of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so let me start that over. So I was a speech pathologist and speech pathologists in a nursing home setting work with elderly and disabled adults on speech, cognition, voice, and swallowing disorders. All right. So during the pandemic, I was mostly focused on swallowing disorders because that has a more 
um, pertinent impact on quality of life. If somebody can't swallow, if they're choking on their food, if they're not able to eat, then they're not going to be able to recover from whatever illness that has befallen them. Yeah, I can see how how the trauma plays out. <laughs> well, but the trauma played out in the fact that my nursing home got hit with the virus in February before huh. COVID was even really a thing. And mm. we just were, we so were- you're seeing the, So you're seeing the first patient, COVID patients in America? I was seeing some of the first COVID patients oh, wow. in America. And this was at a time when everything was locking down and I continued to have to go into work every day. My patients all had COVID. None of them could have visitors. So an already tragic place to start, like nursing homes are not the greatest place in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but at least when there's visitors who are allowed, the visitors are able to check in on their family members, make sure their needs are getting met. And that wasn't happening either. So we had COVID, we were understaffed, we had people's needs not getting met. And I felt this obligation to mm -hmm. kind of put everybody on my back and just help mm -hmm. everywhere that I can. So I was doing FaceTimes with patients' families, you I know, see. during our sessions. And, mm -hmm. and then those, those patients would pass away and um so you see so you see them today and the next day they pass away uh i that, that's that's kind I of my imagination today, but not only did i see them today but i also facilitated their last conversation with their family and then the next day they were gone so you're betting so you're betting a farewell to the, like these sick patients yeah it's kind of tough it's kind of a tough thing to do, even for the toughest people. Yeah. yeah, so it was really tough. And then I didn't feel a lot of support from, from anyone, really. We didn't get hazard pay. I didn't have sick time. My boss got COVID and she was pregnant and they made her work from home. Otherwise she would have had to take workers comp and only get part of her pay. And all of these things were compounding and right. I just was, like I said earlier, feeling very valueless, like nobody cared about me, even though I was caring so much about all of these other people. Yeah, you see on TV, people, all the pe people talk about uh, vaccines and social distancing all the time, but mm -hmm. except, except medical personnel. Mm -hmm. Right, right. But recently, I heard someone making a Barbie doll uh, to commemorate the, the medical personnel. Um, I just saw on TV uh, on the on the other day. And um, that's good and great. Yeah, they're making like um, they're making um, uh, what what was that? Oh, all right. Um, uh, doctor, doctor, nurses, uh, EMT nurse, EMT dolls, or whatever. Yeah, I think, I think that would do justice. To... You know, you think that that does a little bit and it might for some people, but mm -hmm. that just seems like another thing that people are doing, just like the whole push to call us heroes. 
you know, words are cheap, objects are cheap. You can make a doll to commemorate essential workers, but if they're still being excluded by the government for paycheck protection things, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's then the there's a problem. <laughs> and so I think that it's great that people are doing things to represent and appreciate the essential workers, but I would just advise anyone who's doing so to try to do something that's actually going to improve the well-being of the essential worker in the time that they need it, which is now and in their work. And unfortunately, a Barbie doll or, you know, an EMT firefighter doll is not going to make the actual situation better. Yeah. Well, unless they're calling, calling for fundraising. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, um, so I think the trauma really inspires us to write a lot of good things. Um, is that really, is that really the case? Um, because um, COVID's hitting hitting me pretty hard right now. Um, because uh, I'm part of militia, as you may know. So, I have to like be on a 24-hour duty once every three, four days or so, and it was really tough. Like. I remember sitting alone at, uh, in the corn. Uh, no, uh, because uh, in case you don't know what corns are, basically um, these are the zones where the government um, bars people from ever going out or going in. Uh, oh. It's one of their social distancing policies. And um, even though the situation now is getting better uh, because more, more, uh, more zones are being lifted than ever, but still, like we have, still we pretty much average around like three or four thousand cases per day in, in the city alone. Wow. And that's, that's and that's um, sad. and that's quite a lot to take. Um, and because my mom is sick, um, I have to like negotiate with the boss all the time about uh, about the time schedule. Yeah. That's and, so hard. Uh, and I got I even got into big fights with them over over the uh, over the thing called fairness uh, because like uh, since everyone's since everyone's serving a nation outside why don't why, why aren't you doing your fair share of work yeah yeah i got into pre a, a lot of trouble recently so um that's why i'm writing the book uh, i'm writing my own book to this day so yeah i think like um yeah trauma really inspires us in a way that yeah, I definitely agree. That we don't expect. I would, I would recommend you check out this guy named Jordan Peterson. He's a psychologist from the University of Toronto, but he's turned into kind of a, you know, influential intellectualist in a way. Yeah, he, um, he he's a he's a Western kind of guru. Um, yes, yes. So. He, had, he talks a lot about the idea of chaos and order and the idea of those things being primordial. So, you know, um, potentially some of the very first energies could be stored. The ener some of the very first energies in our universe could potentially be storied as chaos and order. And 
chaos seems like a bad thing in a lot of ways, but it's again, the opposite side of the coin. So chaos and order both have their pros and their cons. Well, and I think that yeah, trauma I think, can, right, right. Yeah, yeah, so what, I think trauma can manifest as chaos. Mm -hmm. And I think that writing is how we help order ourselves out of the chaos. So in a um, sense, but, do we, can we make any order out of chaos? I think it's part of, I think the answer is part of, but exactly how much can we create order out of chaos? Does Jordan Peterson, Peterson talk about it? Yes, mm. he does. Oh, wow. So I think that you'll find him interesting. Mm. Mm, so does he write, um, write any book that's similar to, to our like, kind of topic? Yeah, he has um, a couple books. One is called Maps for Meaning, which is his more of a textbook type book. And that talks more about myths as the primordial archetypes of our personalities. And so myths are really important because they show us who we are and who we can be. Mm -hmm. um, and that helps as far as the idea of storing yourself out of situations and into new situations. Um, and then he has two other books. One is called 12 Rules for Life and one is called Beyond Order. And so both of those books, really a huge theme in both of those books is chaos and order and making sure that your life is a balance of those two forces. Mm. Mm. So in a sense, the, uh, all of his free books are just about like balancing out uh, chaos and order. Like how yin and yang keeps circulating. Yeah, I think that that is a theme that you could definitely take away from all of his books. But I think that that's a theme that you could take out of a lot of the best stories because I think a lot of the best stories have a very similar structure and themes if you look at it deep enough. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, our stories are all just about human existence mm -hmm. and human existence is not that different. I mean, everyone is unique, of course, and we're all making choices. We have free will, but in the grand scheme of things, um, there's a lot that we can both learn from each other and relate to um, from each other, no matter where you are, who you are, what life situation you're in. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about like Jordan Peterson. Uh, um, I came across, uh, I came across him on YouTube several times. Yes. And uh, oftentimes um, uh, he may come, he may come out as a kind of like a self-help guru or whatever. But I would um, agree with that. Yeah, I think but that he now, does. But now his books convinced me otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's well, not really a, a self-help book, but really a book for you to answer uh, the question to your life yourself. Yeah, and that's why which, I like about it. It's, it's just a good alternative to self-help, you know? 
it's self-help in a different form. It's not your traditional self-help where it's like, here are the things that you need to do to live a better life. Yeah, do this and you're happy. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan's more like, these are the things you need to think about in order to start making decisions that will help you lead a better life, which Mm -hmm. is a difference. Mm -hmm. So like by by any chance, have you ever read like uh, Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F? I have. Me too. Um, It's a good one. Yeah. It's wildly popular here. uh, If you don't know. Yes. Like nearly popular everywhere. As um, if I if I'm not mistaken, like twenty percent, uh, twenty or thirty percent of my, of my classmates, uh, in college have read it, uh, once. Wow. Once or more, like yeah, yeah, you can tell how popular it is. It's even translating to Vietnamese. Um, yeah. That's goals right there for your book. Mm-hmm. Yep. Publishing goals. <laughs> Yeah. You've got to dream it. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, so, it's a like, good book too. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I've read it two years ago and um, some of the advice still stuck with me to this day. Mm-hmm. What is the piece of advice that you embody most from that book? Um, happiness is not the only function. It's not the only variable to a happy life. Happiness itself is a problem. It can be, you know, that's another theme that I explore in my book too. I think Mm -hmm. that goes along with what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. You think that more money, more success, more, more anything will make you happier, but what is happiness? Yeah, so more challenge it, challenge the idea by proving the otherwise. Right, right. And how exactly, how do you know what happiness is if you haven't had the same intensity of emotion on the opposite side? Like, so in a sense, he argues that uh, happiness wouldn't exist if you, if you never struggle for something. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, so that's the most, that's the most obvious one to the mm-hmm. point is cheesy, but I think that's the most practical advice that every religion could ever give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I started to look at my life a little bit more statistically this mm-hmm. past year. And mm-hmm. I was like, if I was to graph on like a scatter plot or like, you know, a candlestick chart, yeah. my life, what would be the measurement that I would take? And at first I was thinking happiness. Mm -hmm. I was like, I could measure my happiness throughout time, but I don't think I decided that that wasn't a very good measure. And now my go-to thing that I say is optimal well-being, And that is vastly, vastly different than happiness. So statistically speaking, um, happiness is pretty much inversely proportional to how much you value it so Mm -hmm. in a sense the more you value it the the less likely you're you're going to achieve it interesting Mm -hmm. it goes against everything that you think it's paradoxical but yeah true very paradoxical Mm -hmm. yeah so another another advice i took from him is that um you're always choosing. 
at first I pretty much despise this advice because there are many things that I can choose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was going to move out to Australia um, many years ago, but until now I'm still I'm still have to like wait for wait for my turn, uh, wait for mm -hmm. wait for my turn, uh, pretty much. And um, also, um, um, I have to like, um, yeah, I got lost. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lost, but um, uh, let's say that you were uh, saying yeah, that I I switch uh, I switch majors twice, and uh, and there's a lot of things going on in my life that uh, that would take me an hour to categorize all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think you were saying that his advice where you can choose and yeah. make your own choices. At first, choices I hated it. Because I hated you, it. Felt, you felt like you were in a situation where you didn't have the power over your own choices. Mm -hmm. Have you found that to be not the case? Uh, in some ways, yes. Um, there's a lot of things I can control in life, but it is the fact that uh, the the little things that I can that I can control that brings me like uh, s small bits of happiness throughout the day enough to enough to make me w wake up every single day. Yeah, I think that the idea of the Stoic philosophy of you know true happiness can only be found within, and it's not dependent on your environment. And then, you know, I think that the idea of having the power of free will and the power to make your choices, things aren't always going to work out in the exact way you think they are. But as long as you continue to make choices that are aligned with your goals and your deepest truth, then your life will transform in ways that will surprise you. Mm -hmm. So in, in a way, uh, if, we, if we want it badly enough, we can bend, somehow bend nature to our will. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, there's some really interesting science behind manifestation. And mm -hmm. I like, think that mm -hmm. life is just an exchange of energy. And when you're putting your thoughts and energy into something, mm -hmm. there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah, and and so in that way, you kind of are bending nature because you are, you're the start, you're, you're potentially the start of a chain reaction of equal and opposite reactions. But it's not bending nature in the sense that it is a natural law from Sir Isaac Newton that every force will have an equal and opposite force. Every action will have a like and opposing one. As a physics nerd, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think you like my book. I incorporate all of these things into it. Yep. Um, After I read so it, I'll really... become Immanuel Kant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a really comprehensive way to look at your life using um you know philosophy 
numbers, math, science, physics, mm. you know, it's, I was in such a dark place that I needed a fully comprehensive mm. way of looking at the world to get out of it. And so that's what lucky ultimately mm. was. It was kind of like my peace day resistance, I would say, of the pandemic, a time where I had to literally transform myself and my life in order to continue on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, so in a sense, um, Mark Manson is trying to like pioneer a concept like Uh, it's more like his own school philosophy known as a uh, negative self-help okay yep um, um at first um much as i really appreciate his philosophy but sometimes it makes me depressed as hell yeah i can see that yeah i i don't i'm not super familiar with his philosophy but In my life, I strive to focus on positive things as much as possible because I think that that's part of your energy and thoughts. Um, yeah, so like apart from self-help book, what, what kind of genre do you also read? I read, I read a lot of different things. Um, I have my master's degree we actually have to get go through graduate school to be speech pathologists in the U.S. Um, so I also read a lot of academic type material um, mm -hmm. for my book I spent a lot of time on different websites like reading people's PhD theses and um, you know these different philosophy papers. Uh, right now, I'm spending some time with Carl Jung's book, um, The Red Book, mm -hmm. and he was a really influential psychologist um, who mm -hmm. made some great discoveries about why we operate the way that we do. Um, But I also enjoy a good thriller or historical fiction or, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I used to be reading a lot of self-help books, uh, pretty close to your own definition of a self-help junkie. But I, soon, <laughs> but I soon get past, I soon got past it and I started to like read more fictions. Uh, and um, and Bildung's Romans, that's kind of my favorite favorite genre. What what was that? Bildung's Roman. Bildung's Roman is like is like a German German word for coming of tale, uh, coming of age, coming of age. I see, I see. Mm -hmm. I think that there, uh, that's something that I realized over this past year. Um, that I think that I had been working to this realization for quite some time. But I think that fiction can teach you a lot of truths mm -hmm. about yourself and the world in a way that a self-help. Yeah, I gotta agree. Mm. Um, and I think that the best fiction books are mm -hmm. layered with so much deep meaning that mm -hmm. they are just treasure chests. Yeah, it just um, keep it just keep makes you think and to 
long after you finish the book. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for example, I uh, uh, during the during the summer I read um, an American classic. Uh, it's it's uh, To Kill a Mockingbird by uh, Harper Lee. Harper Lee, right? Yeah. I mentioned that book in my book. Yeah, and uh, that book really taught a lot about like racial segregation in the South, like during the thirties. Yeah, mm -hmm. and. Yeah, a lot of shit happens, and um, oh yeah, what a good what a like really good ending. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. That's a classic. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to read that book. So don't you guys read it? Read it. Uh, read it as a like read it in schools. Yeah, but I think that the way our school systems are set up does not encourage the type of critical thinking that is necessary to truly analyze fiction in a way that is helpful for you and your life. Mm -hmm. um, at least maybe, I think that some teachers do teach it in that way and there are some really good teachers, but I was not in a place when I was in school, uh, when I was in high school, when I was reading To Kill a Mockingbird, to appreciate or truly understand what I was supposed to be getting out of right. literature. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm looking forward to reading and revisiting some of these classics as an adult to see what kind of new mm -hmm. themes and life lessons and transformation that I mm -hmm. can take from them. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so. So what are the books that you're currently reading? So I'm currently reading a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. Oh my God. Do you I have read that? It. I read it this January. Did you like it? I've pretty much read the whole book. It was yeah, really yeah. dense, but really worth the read. Super worth dense. The read. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's super dense. Um, but another good book that I read recently, um, well, let me tell you one of my favorite books. How about that? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite books is a book called Tuesdays with Maury. Mm -hmm. It is about a professor who mm -hmm. made a special relationship with one of his pupils in college they separated after the pupil, you know, graduated and went off. And then at the end of the professor's life, um, he gets diagnosed with some disease. The pupil comes back and starts spending one day a week with the professor and the professor imparts stories and life lessons. And it is a really impactful book. It's by Mitch Elbum. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of want to read it sometime soon. So um, another book that I'm currently want to read is um, Tokyo Ever After. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty good like uh, building's Roman book. That's what everyone says. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So it follows a story of a Japanese American living living in Northern California, um, okay. in a mostly white community. So. Okay. Apparently, um, apparently, I don't know how the story will go after because I, I don't remember the synopsis as well, as well. Mm 
So, uh, so to be to be concise, um, she is in fact uh, a descendant to um, no, she is a part of a Japanese imperial family. Okay. So, um, so given a chance, uh, she moved to Tokyo to join to mingle with these people. Um, okay. And uh, it's so behind the glitz and glamour, there's also a lot of infighting and and power struggles. I think snobbish, snobbish cousins, snobbish cousins, and uh, yeah, and all all the all the things that you would often see in the British royal family, all the scandals, mm -hmm. all the scandals that go with that, yeah. And um, very interesting. So in the end, um, in the end, the story um, centers around the question of whether whether she really belongs to Japan, culturally speaking, and if uh, what she's doing is worth it in the first place. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I really recommend you read that book. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Tokyo yeah. Everlasting, is that right? No, no, it's not Everlasting, Ever After. Ever After, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of thinking though, as you were talking about that, um, so I think that a unique life experience that I've had is that I have spent a lot of time with elderly people. Mm -hmm. um, both at the nursing home and I also worked at an assisted living building. Um, and when you spend so much time with somebody, with people who are at the end of their lives, you can't help but start to think about the end of your life a little bit more. And if your life goes according to plan and you reach all of your dreams, there's still going to be a point where statistically you stop progressing hmm. and what happens then and how do you make your life um, still fulfilling and uh, still worth it. Hmm. And so I hmm. think that that has caused me to start thinking more and enjoying more of uh, stories that expand over the whole lifespan um, and just more seeking those types of stories out mm -hmm. a little bit more too. And yeah. I think that that's yeah. partially just because of the place that I'm at in my life. Mm -hmm. I think there should be a genre for it. Yeah, there really should be. It's not a coming of age coming to the end tale. I yeah, say. because because that's another important part of your life. And I think that a lot of, you know, focus comes on the idea of coming in age, uh, coming of age. In fact, one of the, one of the lyrics in, in folklore, which is Taylor Swift's album, okay. it, she says, my coming of age has come and gone. Hmm. So it's which just is, more like a come and go concept. It is. And it's one of those things that you are working towards that, you know, and, and you know, you're working towards life transformation. But mm -hmm. my advice is don't limit your scope because mm -hmm. life is even more than that. Like once you reach your dreams, what 
then. And I think that that was what really interested me about the story of Taylor Swift as a person. Mm. And then with what mm. I kind of made into my character of Rhea Harmonia, it's not based on Taylor, it's inspired by Taylor. And Rhea is also inspired by any, you know, popular culture figure who it is impacted by social media and fame and fortune and somebody who has reached the pinnacle, somebody who yeah. has gotten all of the grants. Sounds like Taylor Swift is ahead of her time, really. <laughs> but what happens then? And in folklore, you see that she's saying, like, I am ahead. I, you know, she said something about, um, I was so, uh, I was so far ahead of the curve that the curve became a wheel. And then I found myself here. No, like the curve became a concave, concave kind of shape. Because, because life has its ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. And that fact is hard to wrap your head around because we are kind of taught that growth and progression is, is the Forever. best way to be. Mm -hmm. yeah, in some but ways, hustle impossible. culture. Yeah, yeah. Always like, I've always like got, got the message from the like the hustle culture that growth and progression is gonna go forever as long as you but have like, enough inspiration it is mathematically possible i suppose but like mm -hmm. within your lifespan it's mathematically and physically mm -hmm. impossible no because everything's so random in life um have you ever heard of like game life uh the game, game of life yeah yeah as a as a bunch of like automatons that just keeps propagating through uh propagating through uh, a field and it just uh -huh. keeps behaving in ways that we can never predict. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's what the golden ratio is is mm -hmm. interesting because yes, you can't predict, but probability, there's probabilities that go into mm -hmm. things. Right. And probabilities help you make informed decisions and help you make predictions. And like things don't always go exactly how you think they're going to, mm -hmm. but there are still patterns in the chaos. And I spent a lot of time with the idea of chaos theory this year, which is chaos theory and butterfly effect are very similar. I'm um, kind of fan of but butterfly effect really um yeah uh, yeah a butterfly so, setting off in south america can trigger fun china yeah and so the chaos theory it, it uses that idea and it was actually first talked about by a weatherman who um he had his his weather prediction system going mm -hmm but he only used like two decimal points for his original data instead of four. Oh, I think I kind of heard this story before, but just go on. <laughs> yeah, and so, so he, he did it with two, two digits instead of four. He went off for a coffee break. He came mm. back and he found that his graph was nothing like he thought it was going to be. In fact, it connected at the end and how it connects is basically in the shape of a butterfly. 
And yeah. when you calculate it, you can use the golden ratio to analyze and calculate things within that data as well. You should watch a YouTube video on it. It is fascinating. I feel yeah, like learning about this changed yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah. That's where I learned about, learn about the butterfly effect. I think Veritasium did a good job explaining it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with, with that person, but there's a couple good good videos on, mm -hmm. on YouTube that mm -hmm. explain the idea. And I think that it's going to be kind of the bedrock for a lot of progress going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like um, on a tangent, like how has your hobby like transformed your life so far? Um, in every single way, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm so much different than I was last year at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm visiting my brother this weekend. So I'm actually in Cleveland, Ohio, mm -hmm. but I was here last year in June and it's August right now. Um, last year in June, I hadn't started writing my book. In fact, the album that my book is inspired by hadn't even come out yet. The album came out in July, July mm -hmm. 24th, and I didn't start writing my book until September. Wow. So it's funny to be here now when I was here like a year and a couple months ago before I had even had the idea for my book. And now having finished writing a book, published it, you know, done all of that I just I, I can't even put into words how different I feel mm -hmm. um but I feel so much more fulfilled and mm -hmm. content and less so like I'm searching for something that I can't reach mm -hmm. um I can't imagine my life without writing now. Yeah, imagine, imagine people from all walks of life uh, going to a bookstore and yeah, and pick up your book. The feeling is kind of amazing. That feeling, of course, is amazing, but even more so. Like, I'm so proud of my book, and I'm like so. I don't know the right word for it. I, mm. I, I feel like okay. I think that pride is part of it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the fact that I have completed a, an entire book that I'm proud of mm -hmm. gives me even more confidence and mm -hmm. um, just internal stability in a way. Mm -hmm. um, it's also been really an interesting experience to see my friends and family so react your and support so me. So they'll read this. your books, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that last year at this time, I was feeling like I've kept saying very undervalued. Mm -hmm. And now, despite not having a job anymore, not making like full-time income, like I decided to just focus on writing, mm. um, I feel more valued and valuable mm. than ever. You're pretty much 95% above humanity right now. Yeah. yeah. Not, yeah. not having a full-time job is a, is, a really, is a really blessing right now. Oh, it's, it's just like you're being 100%. able to opt out of the rat race and live the life you want. Yeah. 
that's also and my last goal right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you can read in my prologue. I talk a lot mm-hmm. about the idea of I felt like I was trapped in a hamster cage that I was, you know, I had two choices. I could run this hamster wheel or I could fall to the ground and probably just die. Um, But either way, like the hamster cage that the wheel was in was locked and I didn't have the key. Mm -hmm. I literally wrote those words. And then, and then I also wrote like my, I would be so lucky if I had the money and power to do what I wanted, to be whoever I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote those words, my life started changing. I started doing better in the stock market. I was able to ultimately mm-hmm. like quit my job, was able to, you know, publish this book. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of all of this is just being open to I imagine a butterfly meme titled, um, is this the law of attraction? Yes, yes, that's so true. Um, And I mean, it's a magical thing in a way. It's so magical that it doesn't seem- It's not as legit as placebo. What? It's not not gonna be as legit as placebo, but okay. (laughs) It seems irrational, Mm -hmm. like, like foolish almost well but because the fact that, that you can ban nature right through arbitrarily yeah it's just very yeah. questionable at best but um, it is but i feel like it sometimes is. people will get to win the law of attraction lottery and call it real even you know, though it's I, not true for a lot of people but okay you know, and I think that that is like, that is something that needs to be discussed with this conversation as well, because mm-hmm. you're right. It is easy to have that bias when things are working out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many stories of this happening for people. And I think that part of it is just believing in it and believing in yourself enough to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, I think that many slash most people are surprised at the changes in their life. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about earlier, it might not be exactly in the way that you expect, mm-hmm. but your life will still change. Mm-hmm. And with change, you have the choice, if you're looking at your life statistically, to be working towards a more positive thing or a more negative thing. Mm -hmm. And even just one choice a day, bringing you further and further into the positive side of the equation helps when those random forces of nature come or those, you know, life experiences that you cannot control. Mm. It helps you still maintain Mm-hmm. you know, a higher equilibrium. Right. Hmm. I think that's the best takeaway so far. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, so <clears throat> I think I learned a great deal about your book and also about your introspection. So like, just before we go, um, uh-huh. is there anything that you 
that you want to promote about yourself? Wait. Yeah, sure. Sure. You can um, buy my book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. It is available via paperback or ebook. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it is available for free on Kindle Unlimited uh, mm -hmm. for the ebook, which is exciting. Um, mm -hmm. You can follow me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. My name is Christina Perro, Christina mm -hmm. with a K, and it's Christina Perro Writes is mm -hmm. my Instagram account. Yeah, Adam Tate becomes Christina Par Parrot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've gotten that before. It's not Christina Parrot, it's Christina Perro. So you actually got that joke, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I have gotten that joke. Um, but I, I share a lot of interesting content on my Instagram, mm -hmm. as well as my website and blog, which is christinaparo.com. Mm -hmm. um, and I have some exciting things in the works for the next year as far as another book. I am mm -hmm. thinking about starting my own podcast um, mm -hmm. to talk about different themes that I... I thought you were already doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. I don't have my own podcast oh. right now. Just a book. <laughs> um, but I am thinking about making a podcast for, uh, mm -hmm. to discuss like themes that are in my book and mm -hmm. different characters and different um, interesting articles mm -hmm. or books that I read while I was writing the book mm -hmm. um, to just give my readers a little bit of background information too and help mm -hmm. them make some of the same connections that I made mm -hmm. so stay tuned for that mm -hmm. um but yeah just follow me or follow my website and don't forget to follow me also yes and follow V are you, well, you are can you call on me Instagram, Dennis v? yeah Dennis mm -hmm. are you on are you on Instagram yes I do what's uh, your Instagram Vistra not free, but I'm I'm just gonna like send it to you later. Perfect. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, Follow yeah. me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on today. It's yeah, so yeah, fun. me too. It's a pleasure to have you here too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was an insightful conversation. Mm -hmm. And deep also. Definitely. It's the way I do it. I'm 22 and this is deep. <laughs> For mm. sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for bearing me, with me all the way to the end. And I really appreciate your listenership. So um, if you like it so much, why not share it? And make sure to subscribe to the podcast and uh, whatever podcast platform you, you happen to have. So uh, I hope to see you soon. And goodbye. Peace.